Hello, welcome and open wide for Paper Tuesdays with Michael Dwyer and Mark Halpin. I am Mark Halpin. Michael Dwyer here, Mark, for episode three. I'm looking forward to a roller coaster of emotions. Don't forget, you can let us know what you're thinking and you can go on to Instagram at Paper Tuesdays. You can find us there. Mark, it's, it's really exciting here this morning as we record. The GA has announced its roadmap to return for Gaelic Games and it looks like we'll be back hurling and footballing from the end of July and then the county championships will be back in October. So David should be calling you now within the next couple of days, I suppose. I, I expect a call within a few minutes of this podcast, Mark. Uh, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready, David. I've been doing the push-up challenge. I know what it takes to be an inter-county hurler. So, Mark, I suppose we'll go on to the parish of the week, as we love to do so. Uh, you know, we had a few contenders this week. One was a little bit of a controversial one there in India, the beheading there over dispute of a mango orchard. Thankfully, Mark, we're going to stick with the positives here in this show. And we go to RTE News, where they report on a virtual communion ceremony that took place a few weeks ago. Virtual. Oh, virtual yes, I've seen this one. Yeah. I've seen this one. This is the... Um, the first communion I've ever heard of where you can have another tab open and press mute and play Club Penguin at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it was quite interactive, Mark. They had uh, 10 children from three different schools around the Lusk area. And the children sent in their pr- prayers of the faithful using WhatsApp videos. And it apparently went down well by all accounts. Uh, everyone was happy. But I think um, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm thinking about the children. Maybe the children had GoFundMe pages set up because their communions wouldn't, wouldn't be taking place in person. And maybe they were getting the money revoluted to them. What do you think? I was thinking Bitcoin myself. <laughs> yeah. So it's no surprise, really, that that innovative uh, spirit in Lusk, in County Dublin, has earned them the title of Parish of the Week. So there you have it, Mark. I think... There's no finer story in our local newspapers this week than the one in the Carlo Nationalist. I just love it. So the Carlo Arts Festival, did you know there was such a thing, Mark? No, I didn't. Yes, the Carlo Arts Festival is taking place this weekend using uh, Facebook Live and YouTube. So uh, play the tape there, Robbie. Somebody thinks they're gonna walk in here and take my animals away, animals, animals away. Before you bring me down, it is my belief that you stop breathing. That was Baskin the Exotic, the micro opera from Carlo Arts Festival, Mark. Uh, this comes from, uh, it's a four-minute short opera, and it comes from the creators of the Kardashian micro-opera, and that's where they found the actor for, or sorry, excuse me, the baritone singer for to play the part of Joe Exotic. They, they have a transgender baritone, namely Lucia Lucas. So there you have it. It's, it's quite the thing to come out of Carlo, and uh, it comes out of good, uh, yeah, so... It's it's worth watching, Mark. If you go back onto the Carlo Arts Festival Facebook page and YouTube pages, they'll be live, but only until Friday. You'll find them there till Friday. So there you have it. 
Um, it's timely as well, Mark, with the whole story of Baskin seizing all of the property of um, Joe Exotic. I seen that, Michael. Did you watch the Netflix series yourself? I did. I did. I, I, to be honest, what, what Mark, I love the first few episodes, and then when the your man shooting himself happened, that that kind of put us dampener on it, you know. A dampener, dampener on yeah. the <laughs> killed vibe. I loved his story because it was just full of humanity. There was just no, you know, you just couldn't predict the life of Joe Exotic, could you? He's an enigma. Yeah, he really was. He burnt down all of his own footage. Yeah, see that the one where he burnt down his own um video camera recording studio because he thought your man was going to do him out of his tapes or whatever. I can't remember the exact story. That and that's a minor thing to happen in it. Like that's how much happens in this Netflix series. Like him burning down part of his own property is just like something you'd forget about. Yeah, it. I love his. Uh, you know the way sometimes you think people exaggerate things, um, like not to be. Not to be picking on Mary O'Rourke, Mark. Do you know Mary O'Rourke? No, no. All right. She's the Irish mammy of a politician here. And I I always remember, Mark, she was on an RTE documentary once and she said it was a beautiful day. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. And then the the camera panned back to that day and there were clouds in the sky, Mark. You know, (laughs) this. whereas, you know, so where am I going with that? Yeah. So, you know, the way when they say, you know, he even sent her live snakes, you know, in a parcel you know you expect that to be exa- an exaggeration no no you see him packing the package it actually goes to Tarabaskin <laughs> you know like th- those type of it's it's just surreal really isn't it but like did you see him even at his husband's funeral his husband his second husband who wasn't even gay that he married at his funeral he performed at it singing yeah and it was yeah. a song and then nothing to do with the fellow who died either that he was singing and, uh, <laughs> yeah um, he's one of a kind but it, the sad thing is he's behind bars now and we'll, we just might not see Joe Exotic see the light of free day Joe Exotic. free Joe Exotic free Joe and isn't it great that Mark that Carlo is linked to Joe Exotic you know this is the that's the type of story I love to be honest it's an exotic place Carlo. yeah it is yeah <laughs> speaking of exoticism I don't know if that is a word but we're going to go with it uh, you Mark I've had your interest in snakes. Oh, yeah, I'm no stranger to the exotic pet trade, all right. I was in mm. it from an early age. I actually, I remember my first snake that I got myself and my father, after much berating, I got him to bring me down to Waterford on a horrible evening. It was torrential rain and wind, and it was just miserable. But eventually, after weeks of me and I, and he caved in and brought me down to Waterford to buy a snake. So he rocked up anyway to somewhere. It's about 10 miles, I'd say, outside Dungarvan, a little cottage. And I, I knocked on the door anyway, and out comes a fella who I could only describe as looking like Jesus Christ on ketamine and smelling like the horse that the ketamine was meant for. Handed me the snake, took his 25 euros, went back inside. I don't think he even said a word. And I walked away from that experience thinking, this is the coolest man I have ever met. <laughs> he doesn't talk, he has snakes, and he lived by himself in his cool little cottage. But looking back on it now, I doubt my father's perspective was the same that evening. <laughs> But there was a, a, a definite interest in all this uh, field, Mark. You know, you, you did your work experience in uh, the reptile farm in, in Kilkenny. Uh, yeah, I had done my um, transition year work experience down in a reptile zoo in Kilkenny. That was, it was a dream, Michael, to be a sort of a Joe exotic. Actually, this is an interesting fact as well. You know your man, Doc Antle, that's in that yeah. documentary series? 
when I was around that same age working in the reptile zoo, I had planned to go work in his zoo. That tiger's place that he owns, I was looking that up and I was looking up that being apprentice program. No but it way. turns out then after, yeah, I swear to God, watching the documentary, that's the exact place, exact same person and that program. But I didn't realize now, even if I went to go do it, I wouldn't have got it because he only lets good looking women that are like age 16 to become an apprentice at a zoo. But that is actually something that I had planned to do when I was, say, 14, 15. Then I discovered girls and I realized that being into reptiles didn't equate what I wanted. So I had to change path. Unfortunately, <laughs> I had to leave my snakes behind. <laughs> But this is the beauty of like, you know, Mark, we could always pick up things and leave things behind. So, you know, we, we could we could see you um open up Castletown with its first reptile zoo. Yeah, we could. I could end up like Joe Exotic. Mark yeah. Exotic. We could make like a GoFundMe page for the zoo, you know, like I think GoFundMe pages are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Mark, I'm going to tell you about another wildlife creature in the Connacht Telegraph this week. We have the story of the launch of the National Hedgehog Citizen Survey. So, Mark, this is wild stuff, really, to come out of uh, Galway. Uh, anyway, Galway's zoology department is undertaking a two-year study of hedgehogs in Ireland. And they say that the, the PhD candidate there, um, Lisa Reardon, I think is her name, she says that uh, hedgehogs are the most understudied animal in Ireland. And they want to track how geography has it impacted on their change in habitat and that type of thing? So there, there are two ways you can find. I love the first way, Mark. I love it because it suits me. You know, it suits anyone that like really loves it. Oh, I see something. I'm going to report it straight away. So if you see a live or a dead hedgehog anywhere in your in your town or village, Mark, you're to pick up your phone and go on to biodiversityireland.ie and report it straight away. You know, so. <laughs> Do you hear that, listeners? <laughs> Straight away. Straight away, you know? No arse around. This It's a bit like... Uh, they might have weekly reports on the Hedgehog Survey, a bit like the Dumbelievables and the Two Guards. Wouldn't that be great? There were five <laughs> hedgehogs in Castletown this week. Two were dead. Three were suspiciously alive, maybe dead. And, yeah, I think that... There were and one turned out to be a cat. <laughs> And then, Mark, if you're more interested in this, you can set up your own garden trail. So that involves uh, you have to make a homemade tunnel and you have to record your back garden for five nights in a row. And you have to look back at the footage to see if you saw any hedgehogs. That, that does sound like a lot of work, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Would you do it, Mark? We'll do it. Well, no, I wouldn't do it myself, but other people definitely should. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Actually, before we leave the topic of hedgehogs and snakes and wildlife, I know for a fact that hedgehogs are immune to snake venom and have been known to take down vipers and eat them in a fight. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Right. Shame. Now, so there you go. Yeah. Moving on. We go to the Anglo-Celt, Mark, and DJ Ali B. He's uh, He was a DJ with a bit of a cause behind him there because he decided because Pieta House wasn't able to do its darkness into light 5k run or walk, they, um, he decided to do a live DJ set from his farm at five o'clock in the morning. So it went live on Facebook and now this man who lives near Virginia can add um, his, back, his field in Virginia to the places he's played at, which include stores in Wexford and Copperface Jacks. 
So there you have it. A, a good good way, a model citizen really, isn't he? DJ Ali B. So fair play to him, the young man there from Kiavan. Fair play to him. It was a great cause. So yeah, I think he raised like 1500 or something I was reading in the article. Is that right? Yeah. Fair amount for Yeah. Fair amount. Yeah. And Mark, you know, we could just say that he is the only model citizen that we've come across this week, but that wouldn't be a fair reflection of what we've seen. Matty Behan, Mark. Yes, um, I received correspondence from uh, one Andrew Merrigan, a fellow Castletonian of mine, of uh, follow-up on Matty Behan, who, if uh, you remember correctly, was in our first episode pictured wearing a bra on his face, yes, which I believe was something he had been waiting a long time to do. <laughs> but Matt, Matt, Matty is back in episode three. We... I think, can we post this picture on our Instagram, Michael? That would be the best show our listeners place. what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll release that on the day of the release of this podcast. But if you look at the photo on our Instagram page today, it should be on our stories, either a stories or a post. We'll see. We'll have after the board meeting. I think we'll decide what we're going to do with it. But Maddie is seen outside enjoying the weather. <laughs> I think it's fair to say, place. Michael, is it? Oh, yeah, but... Mark, I love how he completes the look with the bottle of Lucas in. I don't. There's something about it. It's like he's a brand ambassador or something. Yeah, it's it's a an accessory, Michael, in a yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He completes yeah. the look. And Mark, yeah, I suppose this could be a regular slot now. You you might not know when he'll pop up. It's a bit like the movements Matty? of Matty with Paper Tuesdays. <laughs> All right, Michael. I presume. See, we've got our sort of three articles done now, and. I have a surprise for you. Oh, great. So uh, I wrote you a poem today. Okay. (laughs) Would you like to hear the poem I wrote for you, Michael? Yes, please, yes. Okay, hold on, give me a second. The poem is called Roundabouts. Okay. Roundabouts by Mark P. Halpin. Roundabouts, thereabouts, whereabouts, allabouts. Taxi Maxi. Pouge's backseat, with his clipboard, gory Sith Lord. Famished for love, cast his eyes up above. He longed to be intimate ever since Pouge put those blocks on the internet. But God answered his prayers, frustrations, despairs. Michael met Ash, and as fast as a flash, his troubles shed all of their layers. With his newfound courage, he took up the purge. He gave up the clipboard. No longer a Sith Lord. In hopes to congratulate, understand and replicate, I asked my friend Michael how he ended this cycle. In his response, he declares, all about, whereabouts, thereabouts, roundabouts. (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Mark, thank you. You're welcome. That poem has a bit of everything. I just maybe we should post that on the Insta as well. You know, it's just it's skillful how you. you... Might, I can send you a picture of the poem itself. <laughs> that was skillful, Mark. Did that take you long? Uh, about. Oh, I can't reveal. I can't reveal Michael, my okay. words, my well, creative I just... process. <laughs> I just love how. You wind it in at the start and then it comes back at the end about roundabouts, whereabouts. It, it's a roundabout, Michael. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm blown. Finger claps, fool of us. <laughs> Mark, that was terrific. Wow. I suppose I better... Oh, no, you, you're terrific, Michael. That's why you got the poem. 
<laughs> well, thank you, Mark. I'm blown away. I'm speechless now with that. And you know what? I better uh, put pen to paper for next week's episode. And Mark, it's, this is the right time. Now, now that we've got a little bit soppy, this is the time to unleash something. Yes, we have a new segment for our listeners. Much requested. We've listened and we've brought it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Flash Flood. Hello, gents. This week, my uh, my main topic of giving out it concerns people not following the lockdown rules for the last two months. And it's mostly the selfish <laughs> travelling down from Dublin to and from their holiday homes as they see fit. It really got on my tit over the last two months. I've said it to them and they just laugh and smile. And then the guards doing nothing about it. And, you know, it just makes a whole cod of lockdown. That's my argument this week. There's lockdown or there's not. And in their case, there wasn't because they're assholes. Thank you for that wave of positivity, James. And our <laughs> listeners can expect to listen to James every week. Bring in the good news. Do you agree with him, Mark? I, I do and I don't. Like, it is, it's a safety issue and it's a health issue. But the people do bring a lot of economy to the local area it's where i'm from down around castledown and you do see a lot of dubs there every summer and they make up a lot of the sort of passing trade during the summer so like i have no real they don't really upset me one way or the other i suppose they shouldn't really be coming down if it's against the guidelines of what they're being told to do see mark this was a hot button topic in gory and norbikes were there for the it was all over social media it was pretty um was pretty strong you know it was it was um every every day there were posts saying go home don't come here we're closed and to be honest i thought if you were coming down with your local shopping from your local supermarket and you stayed in your holiday home was there a whole lot of badness in that now yeah see the thing is if you're infected in dublin you're bringing the disease down which i think is people's main gripe with that is that they could, you know, you could come down from Dublin and infect the whole area and the locals. So uh, you do see it from that point of view. And if people aren't listening, they do need to be told in a more stern fashion, I suppose. Yeah. I didn't like the whole split, though. It was very divisive. And yeah. I just think it, we're going to rely on tourism here in Wexford and in the West Coast a hell of a lot more after this pandemic. And we don't want to be setting the wrong tone with saying definitely yeah that is, that is a risk all right that people won't want to come back now that they've been told basically to um f off yeah so i don't think five Ireland will be ringing up james Flood, but we'll continue <laughs> to ring him we'll continue to ring him up we love hot takes with flood so there you have it you asked and you got it people <laughs> but do you know mark if someone else has a has a bone that they'd like to bring up or you know something that is grinding their gears we can take voice notes there through the Instagram page at Paper Tuesdays. Just give us your thoughts on whatever's come to mind on your journey to work today. And we're, we're here. We're listening. We are. We're, we're a shoulder to cry on. Yes. Yes. So, Michael, you sent me a post there from Patrick Horgan speaking to humans of the GAA there last night. Um, what was it that you wanted to discuss on that? Yeah, so Mark, the opening line deals with that there's no I in team, you know, that classic phrase. But Patrick disagrees with it and says that, you know, you have to be the best I to come together as part of the team. And I like that idea because, to be honest, I think a lot of the, oh, there's no I in team is trying to 
take away from any egotism or like putting, oh, I'm the best, I'm the best, putting glory hunting. It's trying to cut that out and say, no, come on, this is a team sport. Uh, we all have to just come together and roll behind. Where, where Patrick's coming from is if we as, as individuals reduce our own egotism and decide that we have to be accountable to be our very best, well, then the team will be stronger as a result. So you also said it's about being present at the moment. Well, isn't that connected really to developing yourself and, you know, not, not taking this, not letting this go to our heads? Yeah, it's the part where he says that, you know, he would have been, you know, worrying about hurling, hurling, hurling. If he was on holidays, he'd be thinking about hurling and he wouldn't be enjoying himself. If he was in work, he'd be thinking about hurling, he wouldn't be enjoying himself. So he sort of tried to use time to think about hurling as its own separate thing like he, he schedules time to think about hurling and then lives the rest of his life as normal and tries to be present within it which is what i found most um striking from that was that he actually he tries not to think about hurling as opposed to tries to think about it all the time yeah because if you watched the uh, last dance did you watch that Netflix documentary with Michael Jordan I'm probably one of the few people that hasn't got around to finishing it yet I started it oh one. you may watch that yeah yeah but great, he is he's really taken a hold of people people really um th- there's a lot about him isn't there Mark? yeah it's it's a whole different level of fame he was on like it was sort of unprecedented for sports athletes to be the way famous in the way he was he was like a michael jackson but he was the first one to come from sports yeah and how is michael jackson connected to patrick Corbin? or sorry not michael jackson but <laughs> <laughs> i think they're first cousins <laughs> so how is Michael Jordan connected to Patrick Horgan in your eyes Matt? oh just through the fact that Michael Jordan it seems the way they depict him in the documentary is that he's always on basketball always thinking about basketball constant constant whereas Patrick Horgan is sort of saying here that he's trying to not be always thinking about hurling to yeah. sort of take a step back and assess the present moment for what it is yeah. rather than trying to be somewhere else in his own head thinking about hurling yeah so it's interesting to see what different um, philosophies different athletes take. Absolutely, yeah. Different strokes for different folks. Yeah. <laughs> and what you were saying on the no I in team as well, like about being the best version of yourself, I think that translates over into anything. You sort of, what good are you to the group if you're not any good to yourself? Like you have to sort out yourself first before you're any good to anyone else. 100% Mark, yeah. Like, and we we don't want to be preachy, but like, it's a bit like controlling the controllables, you know, it's about being the best version of ourselves for the good of our friends and our, the people around us, you know, it's, we don't need to obsess about the bigger picture, or we don't need to say, oh, he needs to change, or I'm no, I'm not going to do that because she's no good to me, we, that, that doesn't, that doesn't hold weight, it's not going to, lead to our greater success, I think, Mark. You know, we have to we have to just tie your own room, as, as Peterson always says, but, like, get our own house in order, and then we'll see the effects of it. Yeah, yeah the bigger picture will always start with the smaller picture. Yeah, 100%. Still from the ground up. Yeah. Like, as if what you were saying there, Jordan Peterson, I know we already talked about him, but I listened to a lecture of his where he sort of said that, you know, what could our people my and your age going out trying to instruct people on government and ruling and things like that when they don't even tidy their own room wow yeah yeah you'll be getting ahead of themselves Mark, you I'll have to be you. confident within your own life and your own realm of reality before you go telling other people what they should do with their life 
I'll try and tease out a tension with you, Mark, that I have. Like, say if you are meant to be personally responsible for your, keeping your house in order, right? But what if you subcontracted out by getting people to clean your room, getting or like paying people to as cleaners or to mind your kids or wash your car? Like, are you kind of just delegating your own responsibility there? And are you going to feel as fulfilled as if, if you, unless you did those things yourself? Do you follow me? Yeah. I have no idea because, number one, I can't afford to pay people to do any of those things for me. <laughs> and number two, I have no children. So, and number three, my car isn't clean. So I can't really give any uh, advice on that going by what I've just said. But I don't know. I think if you can, as long as they're looked after, I think it's, you're probably okay. I, I, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. As long as it's not gone to ruin, uh, as long as those things are catered for, I think you're pretty much in the clear. So, Mark, what did you learn this week? So, this week I learned that uh, there's arts in Carlo. There is. I learned that I can always go back to my roots as an exotic snake handler. <laughs> and number three, I learned the power of the flash flood. Yes. More from Paper Chooses and Flash Floods next week. Mark, it's been great talking to you. It's been real, Michael. I'll see you in the next chapter.